Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Always so great to be with you. And I'm going to read again today that very, very uh, famous uh, passage in Titus chapter 2. You all know it, but it's good to read it from time to time. Titus 2, verses 3 to 5. The older women likewise, that they may be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Well, this passage is very much part of the word of God, and every word in the Bible is life breathed, God breathed, and every word is an eternal word. There is no word that we can just lay aside and think, oh, well, that doesn't really apply to me. The sad thing is that in our modern society today, there are so many women who really, they don't like these words very much. In fact, they are so opposite to what is actually happening even amongst the Christian women um, of our society today. That's why we do need to read them again and to read how it ends, that if the older women are not faithful to teach these things or the young women don't even want to hear them, the Bible says that the word of God will be blasphemed. Wow, that, that's strong language, isn't it? But it's Bible language. And sometimes I think, well, why, why is it such strong language? Why does the Bible say that um, if we as women don't live this lifestyle, that we'll blaspheme? theme, the word of God. I believe it is because this is God's plan for his women, his female creation, which he revealed right at the very beginning, right in the very first book of Genesis and throughout the word of God. And as you know, I speak on different aspects of our womanhood and our mothering and our homemaking in all these podcasts. I never run out of things to share because God has given us so much in his word. But when we refrain from living this lifestyle, when we reject it, when we think, oh, well, I know better. I'll do what I want. Well, we're actually blaspheming God's words. We're blaspheming 
um, God's ultimate plan and design. Because when we embrace his design and we live it, well, we're bringing glory to God. The greatest way you, as a woman, as a mother, can bring glory to God is to embrace who he created you to be as a wife, as a mother, as a homemaker, because this is his plan. And then, if we don't, we blaspheme. Well, I'm actually not going to talk about all these different things today, but I want to just read a couple of quotes. I love to go back and read commentaries um, on scriptures that relate to us as women. And I was reading the other day the pulpit commentary, and uh, it says of these scriptures, the honor of Christianity is bound up with the faithful discharge of the simple duties of domestic life. In truth, the family is the main test of Christian virtue, as it is the distinctive feature of humanity as ordained by God. Another quote, there is nothing more beautiful or saintly in this world than a true mother in Israel, the presiding genius of her family circle, speaking the words of love, softness, and kindness to all within her reach. That's a beautiful description. And that's what I'd like to talk about today, that last phrase. Because we know the scripture in Proverbs 14, verse 1, every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. I believe that one of our greatest building tools are our words. Our words are so powerful. Dear ladies, the words we speak from day to day, the words that we use in our homes, the words that we speak to our husbands, to our children, are how we build our marriage, how we build our family life. And as this quote finishes, speaking the words of love, softness and kindness to all within her reach. That is a beautiful description. And so today I want to talk about our words. Are you ready for this, ladies? Because I always find when I come to this subject, I get really convicted. In fact, even as I have been going over some of the words um, in Scripture about the words that we speak, I'm convicted again. Oh, goodness me. We can go from day to day, think we're doing great. But then when we line up with the Scriptures, well, sometimes we don't line up, do we? Um, the Scriptures are so wonderful. If we... If we didn't have the scriptures, um, we'd just, you know, we'd just be living our own life and, and uh, just doing what we want to. But when we read the scriptures, they give us 
God's picture. They give us God's standard. And we're either going to be living by either God's standard, which is theophany, or we're going to live by our own standard, which is autonomy. So many times we just live by our own standard. But anyway, are you going to come with me and we'll just look at some of the scriptures about our words? Because this really gets down to the tin text. This really gets down to how we are living daily in our lives. It all reveals itself through what comes out of our mouths. Well, I'm going to start. Actually, I found, guess what? I found 40 different descriptions of uh, just positive words that God wants us to use. It's amazing. When I come to share about a subject and I go into the word, I can never believe how many words I find. I mean, God doesn't kind of leave us in the dark, does he? He just gives us so much. So I, I found 40 different descriptions of words that we should be speaking in our homes to describe the kind of words that we speak. So let's start. I'm going to I want to take you first to the Song of Solomon. And why I'm doing that is because the Song of Solomon is a picture of the Bride of Christ. Uh, we can read the Song of Solomon in three different ways, actually. You can read it um, as a literal book, uh, the, the song between the husband and the wife. You can read it as something that can speak to you uh, as a wife towards your husband and your husband toward you. We can also read it um, as a description of Christ and his bride. And it is also uh, descriptive of uh, God and his bride Israel, because he also looked upon Israel as his bride. So we can read it in many ways, as we can all the scriptures. I mean, we can read the scriptures, we can just read them on the surface and they speak to us, or we can go into a greater depths and understanding. There is always more and more. But anyway, in the Song of Solomon, it does talk about our words. Uh, we go to Song chapter 2, verse 14, and here it is the bridegroom. It is Christ speaking, or if you want to read it, it is the husband speaking to you. Oh, my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the stairs, let me see your countenance. Let me hear your voice. For sweet is your voice, and your countenance is comely. Now that word comely in the King James Version, uh, it is a word that means beautiful. 
Today, the word comely, uh, it, it doesn't have such a great meaning today. It means sort of more homely. But the word is actually beautiful. And here we, we just see the desire of Christ, our bridegroom. How he longs to see our countenance. He longs for us to come into his presence. He longs to see our face. He longs to hear our voice. And he says, your voice is sweet. Oh, wow. What an amazing description. But of course, dear ladies, it is easy, isn't it? Um, to be sweet to the Lord. I mean, maybe you're having your quiet time with the Lord and you wake up in the morning and you get your Bible and you're going to have your time with the Lord and you sit there and you read the Word and it just speaks to your heart and, oh, you just your spirit is just burning within you and, and you talk to the Lord and commune with Him and you're just feeling so great. And uh, you're talking these beautiful, uh, you know, words of worship and love and sweetness to the Lord for all that he is to you, your savior, your redeemer, your friend, your rock, your fortress. He is all you need. But isn't it true, ladies? You can be so sweet in the presence of the Lord. Then. It's time to get breakfast for the family. And the children are coming out and some are screaming and others are arguing and everything's happening at once and you're trying to get breakfast and it's just bedlam. And all of a sudden you're yelling and screaming. Help. Only a few minutes before, you were all so saintly and holy and sweet in the presence of the Lord. That can happen, can't it? Because life is real and yes, when we have all our little ones around us, motherhood is a challenge. But of course, I mean, in the midst of this challenge, we can learn also to know the presence of the Lord. Not just when we're sitting all on our own with the Lord, but even in the midst of all that's happening and all the yelling and all everyone wanting you at once. That's where we can learn to know his presence, even uh, in these times. And how we can learn to speak sweetly, even in these times. Wow, do you think you can do that? This is where the challenge is, isn't it? Let's go to another scripture in the Song of Solomon. Um, Yes, chapter 4, verse 3. Let's have a look at this one. And here the bridegroom is speaking again. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet and thy speech is beautiful. Well, if we're reading it as a husband and wife relationship, can your husband say that to you? Oh, my darling, your, your words are so beautiful. Wow, that's a real challenge, isn't it? And then we go down to verse 11 of this chapter. 
And uh, here the bridegroom is speaking again. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. And the smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. And so here, our heavenly bridegroom is likening our our communion with him and our worship to him as just sweet, dripping words. But this should also be our relationship with our husband so that when we're speaking to him, we are just dripping sweet words. Because what does it say? Yes, your lips just drop like the honeycomb. I mean, what drips out of a honeycomb? Honey, of course. And what does honey taste like, ladies? Honey tastes sweet. It's really sweet. And uh, so that's the picture of the kind of words that we should be speaking to our husbands each day. Are you speaking sweet words? Wow. Sometimes we don't speak sweet words. But this is what we need to get into the habit of. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. That means that just sweetness and nourishment is just coming out from under our tongues. Oh, I think you may like to go back and read those scriptures again. Because they're not there just for pretty words. They are there to give us a picture of not only the relationship with our heavenly bridegroom, but the relationship we are we to have with our husband. Yes, our husband on earth, where everything is not always so perfect and they may not always say the right thing to us or they may even hurt us or you're just feeling like you're getting rubbed up the wrong way. But what is going to come out of your mouth? I can remember. I think over the years I have learned to speak this way more with my husband. I have to confess, I didn't always start this way. I remember when I'd start to get up on my high horse and my husband would say to me, Nancy, you've got to speak sweet words to me. Then, of course, what could I do? Help. I just had to speak sweet words. That's what he expected of me. That's what he wanted from me. Can I encourage you, dear ladies? You might think, oh, this sounds all sloppy. No, it is Bible and it is beautiful. It is what your husband longs for. He longs for sweet words from you. And what about your children? Not only do we determine the kind of marriage we'll have by the words that we speak, but we're molding our children's lives by the words that we speak. Are we speaking to them harshly, critically, just sharply? Or are you speaking sweet words? Or may the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and remind us 
that this is how he wants us to be. This is what he wants dripping from our lips. Sweet words. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go on to some other character traits of our words. Um, I think I'll now go and put them in alphabetical order. So we'll go to number two, affirming words. Now, I'll speak about some of them. I won't speak about everyone because, as I said, I found 40 different characteristics and we'd be here forever if we spoke about them all. But affirming words, they're very important words. How wonderful to affirm your children when they do. You know, so often we're just um, always having to correct them and because uh, they do so many stupid things and we could be correcting them all day long. In fact, I remember when I was raising our children, I, I, I began to think, oh, I'm just telling them not to do this and do that da, 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 all day long. And I thought, I've got to work out. I can't do this. I can't live like this. And so I decided I would only um, correct them for that which was really rebellion, disobedience, and that which was contrary to the word of God. But just the little things of childishness and them knocking over the chair and doing this and jumping around, I, I would just let them go because they were children. And, I mean, you're either going to be yelling at them all day long or you, and then they don't even realize what is most important. I believe it is important that they know what is important so that when there is rebellion, when there is disobedience, you deal with them for that and they know uh, that they can't get away with those things. But then little childish things that they don't mean to do, I would just let them go. Um, and then when they do good things, Oh, to affirm them and say, oh, I'm so proud of you. Oh, that was so good. Oh, I'm just so blessed that God has given you to me. You're just growing up to be such a fine boy. Oh, Susan, I can't believe you're just so obedient to whatever mummy says. I'm so blessed. And you affirm every good thing in their lives. Constantly affirm your children. It is so important. They will just grow and just blossom uh, with your affirming words. They will just cringe and bow down by your negative words to them. So be encouraged to use affirming words. Number three, blessing words. I wonder if you listened to my podcast, uh, it was number 240, when I spoke about the Shabbat meal. If you didn't hear that podcast, go back and listen to it. Uh, every Friday night in our home, uh, we celebrate the Shabbat meal. Um, it is the most beautiful meal. It's my favorite meal, my favorite time of every week in our home. And it's a blessing meal. And it's a meal where the husband blesses his wife and uh, he tells her all the wonderful things he thinks about her. 
And it's also where the, he, as the father, blesses personally each one of his children. And, and so it's a very important meal. Every week, the, the wife in the home is blessed. And of course, she blesses her husband. And every week, the children are blessed. Oh, you've got to listen to the podcast. You will be so encouraged about that. Of course, you don't have to wait for just once a week. We need to have that, um, just that mentality of blessing. So we're constantly blessing. And uh, I'm sure many of you will, as your children go to bed at night, you will bless them as they're going off to bed. You can't bless your children enough. Um, and now the Bible says there was a time in the Old Testament where it was the priests who did the blessings. But now Revelation tells us that we are all kings and priests unto our God. You are a priest and therefore you have a responsibility to bless people. But you start with your husband and start with your children. If you can't bless them, well, not much use blessing other people. But if you start in your home and then it becomes a lifestyle to bless others. In fact, blessing is a wonderful key uh, when we face uh, things in life, when people speak against us, when they uh, gossip about us, when they say hurtful things about us. I mean, when that happens, you don't feel too happy, do you? And I have to confess, you don't usually feel like blessing that person. But that is what the Bible says, that when people curse you, when they say things about you, uh, when they even tell lies about you, what does the Bible say? To bless them. Tells us this in First Peter chapter 3 and also in Matthew chapter 5. Bless them. Have you ever tried that? It really works. God's ways work. And when you bless those who have spoken against you or reviled you or even persecuted you, um, it, it not only releases you from being bitter uh, against them, but it will release them. It, it has power to do such wonderful things. So be a blessing person. Amen. Number four, beautiful words. Number five, cheerful words. Cheerful words come from a merry heart. It's hard to have cheerful words if your heart is not merry. Proverbs 15 verse 13, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance and also helps us to say cheerful words. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Proverbs 17, 22, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit trieth the bones. There's an interesting passage in 1 Kings chapter 1, 
Uh, and in verse 40, it tells us something incredibly amazing. This was when they were crowning Solomon to be king. And all the people were rejoicing. And it says, and all the people came up after him. And the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth split with the sound of them. Have you ever heard of such a thing? The earth, in the King James it says, and the earth rent. Well, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means to split apart. Wow, it was like an earthquake. Can you believe it? The sound was so powerful that it actually split the earth. Well, that is actually the same word for a merry heart. Wow, that's a wonderful thing to have in your home, isn't it? That will cause you to say cheerful words. And how your husband loves to hear cheerful words. Oh, he, he doesn't really want to be around a negative, complaining, groaning, sad wife. I mean, help. Nobody wants to be around us when we're like that. Cheerfulness just draws people to you. Number six, comforting words. Number seven, delightful words. Number eight, encouraging words. Oh, yes, how important it is to be constantly encouraging, to make encouraging words a habit of your life. It's sad that there are many, many people who have grown up. They've grown up without encouraging words. They weren't encouraged by their parents. And therefore, it's, it's quite a new thing for them to learn uh, to encourage their own children, to encourage their husband, to encourage others. I was very blessed to be brought up in an encouraging home. Um, my father especially was a very encouraging man. He, he just constantly encouraged. In fact, I, I mean, he encouraged me beyond what I know I was worthy of. And I think his encouragement did wonders for my life because I don't think sometimes I look back on my childhood, I don't think there was much to encourage there. And yet he saw stuff that maybe nobody else saw, that only God saw. And he encouraged me, he encouraged me. I know there's so much in life I, would, I am even doing now that I would not be doing without his encouragement. He lifted me up to beyond where I even believed that I ever could be. And that's what encouragement does. It lifts people up to a higher plane. And I believe encouragement is just so important. It has to become part of our lives, dear wives and mothers. If we really want to build strong marriages and strong family lives, starting with your husband, do you really encourage him? 
You know, as the years go by in your marriage, you can get just so used to one another. Sometimes you, oh, you know, faults and little things that you never saw when you fell in love, you begin to see and you get discouraged and and you no longer see this man as you once saw him. And, and you're no longer encouraging. And because you're no longer encouraging, he's getting more and more kind of down in the dumps. And we have to lift one another up. I think it's a very important thing to try and think of at least one encouraging thing that you can say to your husband every day and to each of your children. You can actually, sometimes you've got to do something to check out whether you're really doing it because it's easy. The days go by, weeks go by, and if you stop and analyze, you think, oh, have I been encouraging my husband lately? Well, you can't even think when you last encouraged him. So here's a little idea. You can get a little notebook and uh, you can write the, you know, the day, and then you can write underneath um, your husband's name and then the names of each of your children. At the end of the day, just do your checklist. Did I encourage my husband today? Wow, help, I don't think I did. Well, better start thinking about what you're going to say to him tomorrow because you don't want to miss out again on another day. Each of your children. Yes, Susie. Oh, yes, I did encourage her. Actually, she's so easy to encourage. But Johnny, oh, help. Oh, God, what can I encourage him about? Oh, goodness me. And ask the Lord to help you. Ask him to show you. Often it's the one who's the most difficult to encourage is the one that needs encouraging the most. So do your checklist. Tick each one or put a cross if you didn't do it. And keep checking out every night until you're getting ticks for every name in your family and until it becomes a habit of your life. Amen. I believe that encouragement is the rich soil in which we Grow our children to their full destiny. Here's some scriptures. Proverbs 10, 21, New Living Translation. The words of the godly encourage many. Proverbs 12, 25. Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. I love the, um, the Living Bible translation of this scripture. A word of encouragement does wonders. Did you get that? I'll say it again. A word of encouragement does wonders. Do you literally need some wonders or some miracles in your marriage? Well, let me tell you, encouragement does wonders. Yes, it does miracles. 
Now, if you've just been saying negative things about your husband, about him, maybe even to others, or to him, these negative words, they are going to cause your husband to just crawl up in a ball and not be in any way um, just attentive to you. He, he's just going to get more and more just unattentive. Just start encouraging. Ask the Lord, what can I say to encourage him? Think of some good thing and just say it. If you can't even get enough courage to say it, well, write it and put it in a little special place where he will see it. Maybe put it in his sock so he'll find it when he's putting his sock on. Think of something different. Think of some unique way. But get the message to him. Now, you may not find he'll change with one thing, but just keep doing it. Just keep encouraging. And you will find that miracles will begin to happen. It works because the scripture is true. The same happens with your children. You will see wonders happen. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. If you're doing it, just keep doing it more. Okay? Hebrews 3 verse 13 exhorts us to encourage one another once a month. Oh, sorry. No, it didn't say once a month. Encourage one another once a week. No, didn't even say that. What does it say? Encourage one another daily. Did you get that, ladies? Daily. It has to become a daily thing. That's why it's great to have that little checklist and check yourself every night to see if this is becoming a daily thing with your husband, with your children. And um, yes, so you can just gradually work it up till it is something that happens daily in your lives. All right. So, number nine, edifying words. Um, yes, edifying words mean building words. Edifying means to build up. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Okay, so if what you're going to say is not going to build up your husband, it's not going to build up your children, it's not going to build up those you're talking with, well, don't say it. Unless it's going to edify, unless it's going to build up, it's not worth saying because this is how you build your family with your words. Number 10, forgiving words. Oh, these are so powerful, aren't they? Yes. 
Matthew 18:35 So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Ephesians 4:32 Be ye kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Every one of us have experienced things in our lives where we need to forgive. People have done things against us. People have said things against us. But we dare not hold them in bitterness. Dear precious ladies, Oh, if there's even the slightest bit of bitterness in your heart, root it out, throw it out, cast it out, forgive, because bitterness destroys you. I have seen bitterness destroy people, even cause them to die early. Bitterness is so destructive. God knows what is so good for us, what is so healing. And forgiveness, forgiveness is healing. Now, you never feel like doing it, but you don't do it because of your feeling. You do it by faith. You do it because God has told us to do it. Amen. You forgive your husband. You forgive whoever it is who has hurt you. There's such power in forgiveness. Number 11, fortifying words. Number 12, grateful words. Always being grateful. Number 13, gracious words. In Luke chapter 4, verse 22, speaking about Jesus, it says, And all bear him witness. And wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. If Galatians, no, Colossians 4 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now, that word gracious is the Greek word charis, C H A R I S. Actually, that is the second name that we called our daughter Serene. Her name is Serene Carice. And it means gracious. Well, it actually means to, uh, to give joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, loveliness, graciousness. And so this is what our speech is to be like. Number 14, gentle words. Proverbs 15, 4, New Living Translation says, gentle words are a tree of life. Proverbs 15, 4, the Amplified says, a gentle tongue with its healing power is a tree of life. 
Number 15, happy words. Well, I see that I'm already coming to the end of this session. So ladies, we'll do another session to finish them off because um, there's more yet. I pray that as I've just been sharing these words that um, your heart will be touched. I am convicted again by all these words. It's so good, isn't it, to just, you know, keep our lives up to scratch, keep them aligned with the Word of God. And dear, precious, lovely ladies, remember, it's your words. It's your words that make or break your marriage. It's your words that build up or destroy your home. Dear Father, I pray for every wife and mother and daughter listening I pray that you will fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you will give them grace to speak uh, all these beautiful uh, words, Lord. Um, these sweet words, these gracious words. Oh, God, all these beautiful words we've been speaking about today. I pray that their homes will be filled with these words, Lord God, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. In that home.